welcome to the very last episode of season one of Let's Get Mystical. I can't believe we've done 12 episodes already. We have an interview with author S.C. Principale today, but before we get to that, I have just a few things to talk about. Jen saw Dr. Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and loved it. Her only review is, it's too hard to talk about without giving spoilers. Just go see it. Any Marvel fan will love it and be surprised by some of the events in it. Fair warning, if you have not seen WandaVision on Disney+, Plus, you will be lost. She also wanted me to mention that, in case you haven't heard, the new Doctor for the next season of Doctor Who has been announced. I do not know how to say this. N-C-U-T-I, cutie, N-Cutie, Gatwa, will be the first African-American actor to play the Time Lord, and according to directors and producers, he blew them away in seconds during his interview. His credits include Netflix's massively popular series, Sex Education, for which he won the Best Actor Award at the 2020 Scottish BAFTAs for his role. Jen will, of course, have more to say on the subject in future seasons when the new episodes of Doctor Who air. I am filling in, in case you haven't figured out, it is Lynn Howard. Jen is still out with mouth issues, so hopefully you guys can just, you know, Stand by and wait for Miss Jen to join us. We thank you so much for listening. And uh, this is the end of season one, but we'll be back in January for season two. But you only have to wait until October to hear from us again when we have our special Halloween episode. To be notified when the next season begins and to keep up with what's going on with Jen and I, please join our Facebook group through the link in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there and having you with us for season two. Today, welcome our guest for the last episode of season one. S.C. Principale writes thrillers, mysteries, and steamy paranormal romances. Her stories are filled with strong, sassy heroines and the unique, often otherworldly men who love them. S.C. lives in a historically rich county where haunted battlegrounds serve as never-ending inspiration. Her home life consists of scrounging space for her laptop without tripping over two kids, two dogs, a mischievous chinchilla, and the most patient, patient sexy husband in the world. Welcome, Essie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. A mischievous, mischievous chinchilla, huh? A mischievous chinchilla. Um, she stays in her like a play area most of the time, but she does have like this giant bubble ball that she runs around in and she will take great delight into rolling through the house, shutting doors that are open. <laughs> and then like, if you're walking somewhere, she'll roll up right in front of your feet or right behind your ankles so that you'll go to walk. And all of a sudden you're like half airborne before you realize what's happening. Well, they yeah. say pet owners live longer and I say that's BS because I think they're trying to kill me. Kind of like your chinchilla is trying to kill you. I'm pretty sure mine are trying to kill me. Well, the, our one dog is, is completely blind. He's 16 years oh. old and he just he's a darling, but he just stands wherever we are as close to us as he can be. And he just stands there. He doesn't even sit down. He'll just stand there and want to be right near us. But he's also a terrier. He's very small. And so oh if you're like walking with your arms full of like dishes from dinner or going to the kitchen to the dining room, all of a sudden you, again, you're airborne. You're like, dog! <laughs> <laughs> and that's my husband's thing. He's like, dog's trying to kill me. I'm like, he just wants to be close to you. <laughs> my one-eyed cat zooms and trips me. And then my oldest girl will start walking and just stop dead 
right in front of you. So it's either I kick her, I trip, I fall face forward. I never know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, you know, this is, we do our own stunts now as writers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I call myself the crazy writer chick. And like when I uh, play games and you need to log in with a uh, screen name, I call myself writer chick. Uh, that's kind of become my identity. That's how people know me. It's like, that's the girl who's always writing stuff down. And uh, I'm a teacher in my day job. My students and other faculty members don't know that I write under this pen name. So I'm safe from my students finding all the steamy scenes in my book and then yes. telling me about it. Because yeah. I write, I teach middle schoolers and high schoolers and I have like 90% boy students. I'm like, please, God. Never let them find out this name. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I write under a pen name, because my full real name, this is partial real name, my full real name is a porn star's name. Oh, Jeez. oh I was so scared people would Google me and find her sites. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. <laughs> not the connection you hope that readers make. No. Oh. <laughs> not the kind yeah. of stuff, I mean, I, at mine's steamy, but not quite that steamy, you know? There's, yeah, there's a difference between, I, I love to write erotica, but it's, to me, it's like, it's okay on the, on the printed page. Um, I don't think I'd go acting it out. I'd be better writing it for somebody else. So I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> well, one and, of the questions you get is, is that from real life inspiration? I don't think I've ever had sex with a vampire or a shifter, but I mean, <laughs> I guess if yeah. they were really secretive, maybe I did. I don't, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I, uh, I joke around that my husband, who I am, we've been married for almost, you know, goodness gracious, we're heading towards 20 years, and he is still oh, like my boyfriend. He is like the sexiest, awesomest, most patient guy in the world. And I joke around and say, um, he looks like Jamie Fraser from Outlander. He okay. Acts, he acts more like uh, Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, Lord, um, have mercy. <laughs> I mean, and, and that to me is like the gold standard of what a husband ought to be because he's like easy on the eyes was nice, but he's also incredibly kind and smart and brilliant but and protective and a total like yeah. badass I got if anybody too. messes with his wife. I don't have Jamie Fraser, but my husband is like my all-time best friend. I mean, we can laugh and joke and talk about I always joke with people about how I could be like, hey, babe, I'm thinking about selling cat poop online. And he'd be like, that's great, babe. And he'd share the links. Like, he is so supportive of everything I do. I went yeah. to beauty school at 40 years old, and he was, you know, screaming and cheering at my graduation. Aww. Now I just do that on the side as part time. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I married my best friend, too, and we mm -hmm. have... I think that's why it works. I bet you that's why, like when you're, you meet these couples who are like still crazy in love and everything. It's like, cause I married my best friend. Love is, mm -hmm. is, uh, is a great, you know, ideal and everything, but it's really, really easy to much more easy to stay in love and have all the great things. If he's also your best friend, you actually would exactly. love to hang out with each other. If so. you're just wanting the storybook, <laughs> I know someone that used to break up with her boyfriend all the time. Every time she watched Titanic, she wanted a love like that. I'm mm. like, so you want a love for three days and he drowns in icy water? That makes sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for those don't don't know about Titanic. 
Now, we like to get started with authors about uh, by learning about their writing routine. At what time of day do you get your best writing done? Well, I do have two kids, and I also have to get up for um, middle school, high school hours of schedule. So I get up every morning super early, and I can get things ready and get rolling while the laptop is open. And I am often like getting dressed with one hand and typing with the other. But my family lets me have that 5 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. I write pretty much nonstop. And then after my kids are in bed, I tend to write a few hours at night. And on the weekend, I consider writing is not my full-time job. That'd be lovely if it was someday. But I also really love teaching and I don't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. So I have about, you know, 10 hours on the weekend that I'll write like, a you know, four to five hours one day, four to five hours the other day of the weekend. And my kids are so awesome because even though they're really young, they also are like, my mom's a writer. My mom's an author. We want to be like her. They, we have, um, you know, we call it author's club. When I go to writing sprints online with other authors, my son and my daughter will come up and they'll sit at the same table with whatever little, you know, my son might be writing a dinosaur book. My daughter might be writing, you know, a book about a unicorn who travels to through time or whatever, but they'll pull up their writing and they'll write with me. And, uh, or if they don't want to do that, I'm like, that is perfectly fine that you don't want to do that can you not bother me for 20 minutes at a time and they're and I'll say when the timer rings you can bother me (laughs) how old are they um six and ten and you got them doing that so young man my teenage kids I couldn't get it through to them (laughs) they're grown now they're out of the house now but even my teenagers I'd be looking at them typing so it looked like I was listening they're like that's creepy I'm like well you're interrupting me you hear my (laughs) fingers going you know I'm, and of course, there are sometimes as uh, we were getting ready to do this interview today, we ran through the list. It was like, what if you just need another snack? We wait till dad gets home. What if, you know, you need a Band-Aid? We know where the Band-Aids are. What if there's a bad man at the door? We get you and call 911. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I love that. <laughs> you had sure. them all prepared for this. <laughs> Now, what underrated tool or tools are indispensable for writing? A table with some space. Like <laughs> People are like, well, duh, that's obvious. I'm like, do you ever have like 17 papers to grade and all your stuff from work and all your kids' homework and all, you know, their stuff from school? Life, it's like, yeah. I, I have a, not, I don't even have a big laptop. I have like a, a 10 inch or something MacBook Pro. I'm like, I just want that much space. And going back to the awesome, sexy husband, he (laughs) used a label maker and cordoned off 10 inches or so of the table or no, like enough space for my laptop. But it's like fully one quarter of the table. And it says like mom's work area. Do not put anything else on here. It will be trashed. That is amazing. He is so cool. When people say they can't write books because they need an office my office used to be my bed with my laptop and my lizard. And then when we moved to this house, you know, we had this basement that we weren't really using, like the corner of it. I thought we were original. My kids called it my cave because it was in a dark basement. You know, <laughs> there's actually a thing called writer's cave. Now that the kids are grown, I actually took one of their bedrooms and turned it into my office. So you're proof you don't need an office. No, you just, I mean, and if I, 
I didn't have um, the space, I would do what you did. You've got to do it wherever you want when yep. when the passion is there. I remember uh, my son was born three weeks early. They misdiagnosed me and told me I had to have a C-section right away. And after they had already started the procedure, they were like, oh, no, you don't actually have like preeclampsia hypertension or whatever it was at the time. Oh, but it's gosh. too late now. We have to go ahead. I'm like, okay. Oh, my gosh. So I had a new baby who was not, you know, premature, but he, it was kind of like touch and go right at first with some of this, like feeding and things like that. Was he going to have to stay overnight in, in the NICU and get like glucose and things like that? Oh. Um, but I remember when I came home and I, I was so happy. Um, I'd been trying to have a baby for years and years and years and had had multiple miscarriages very tragically so I was so thrilled so to have my baby so I would be nursing and holding him with one hand and typing with the other while That's I was passion. sitting in my rocker and I was that like passion well you I write the best when I'm like angry or happy like either way you gotta get it out there's a big powerful emotion you gotta get it out and yeah, I, I can't I can't write with any like strong emotions I can't, if I'm frustrated, sad, angry, because that's all I can focus on. I clean like you wouldn't believe when I'm angry. But there, like, there no, is I no can't. danger of that happening here. We look like a library barfed, but that's okay. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I've my students, um, you know, they they get that I'm all about books and writing. And I've had students who come from really poor backgrounds and they like do not have books in their house. I'm like, I will get you books. Do not even think about it. I have books to spare. And they're like, how many books do you have? Will you actually take a video of it? So I actually took a video just of my downstairs, like of all the walls of books in my house. And then if I have duplicate copies of a like series they're interested in, or I go to Goodwill and I'll bring some in for them. Yeah. And they're like trying to ask what my house looked like before that me and my brilliant brain was like, oh, we could use a smartphone and take a video and show them. I just used to describe it. I said, it's a library with a kitchen and a bathroom. Oh, that's so, <laughs> do you know, I'm, I, I'm embarrassed when people ask to see my bookshelves. I'm like, I actually donated over, over the past 10 years, over 600 books. Oh, I only kept amazing. my most, well, I only kept my most favorite books in the house or books that I haven't read yet that I bought, you know, because I went shopping and saw it and I bought it that I haven't read yet. I don't have many paperbacks in the house anymore. They're all, when we moved out, I'm, <laughs> I came from St. Louis County where everything is open. Everything is nearby. We moved out to the middle of the country like 11 years ago, I think in July, it'll be 11 years excuse me, there was nothing. There was no bookstores, no libraries, nothing oh. nearby. So, and then if I bought any books, like say I went into quote unquote town, which is 30 minute highway driving. We, my husband's a vampire. I married a vampire and he will <laughs> not have a living room upstairs where the sun is. So we have it in the basement. Well, I can't read in the dark. So my husband bought me a Kindle. I burnt that baby up quick. I burned mm -hmm. that thing up so quick. So now I have just the Kindle app on my phone. And, you know, phones are getting big. So I just, like at night, I dim the light down and I lay in bed and I read until I'm like ready to fall asleep. I have thousands of books on my Kindle app on my phone. I, I, so. I think the Kindle has, is what has saved my upstairs from becoming my downstairs by cracking. <laughs> um, because I've done what you've done. I've I used to go almost every weekend. And my stepfather actually said, will you please stop going to Goodwill? We're going to have to reinforce the basement. 
like the, <laughs> the floor, the floor um, of our, I guess like we call it my library in my old house where when I was growing up um, would have fallen into the basement, he said, from oh, all the goodness. weight of the books I was bringing home. But I was like, I'm going to be a teacher and public schools usually don't give you a budget for books. So I was buying right. with the idea of I will have a formidable library for any reader they throw at me, whether the kid is reading drastically below or drastically above any grade level they give me, I will have quality books for them. And my husband actually, when we finally moved into like our own house and all that stuff, he actually had to rent a separate trailer just to do all the cases of Rubbermaid huge storage bins of books. That's but, hilarious. And he's a good man right there because, you know, he's like, I almost burnt out my truck hauling this. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> that is hilarious. There was a Borders. It's gone now, but Borders was nearby when I lived in St. Louis. And I was there two, three times a week. And I would call and I'd ask for a specific guy named Bo. And I'd say, I'm in the mood for this type of book. And he'd pull two or three for me and have them waiting for me when I got there. Like he just knew which books I'd be into. And I found some of my favorite authors doing that. Oh, and it's well, see, now, like I said, now I just go through Kindle app. Well, see, and now they, that's like a big thing when you go into a, a brick and mortar store is that's blind date with a book and the bookstore mm -hmm. people wrap it and write like a brief description and you might find a book you totally love or one you're like, eh, that wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. I've but, only ever returned one book and Bo said she's going to return it because I was in the mood at that time. I think I was wanting... I think it was the urban fantasy with a touch of horror or something like that is what I was mm. in the mood for. She gave me um, a sci-fi book by J.D. Robb. Uh, no, okay. is it J.D. Robb? Nora Roberts' pen name. Oh, the other okay. pen name. <laughs> he says, she's going to return it the next day. Here I come. I'm like, no, this is sci-fi. This is not urban fantasy. <laughs> um, now, my next question is, what would you say is your most interesting writing quirk? I think mine that it's interesting. And I think it's a quirk, at least to me, because I don't know many other writers that have this particular habit that I have. It seems like a lot of writers have more self-control than me. They'll be like, Ooh, shiny new idea. I'll write down a quick outline of the idea and then I'll leave it alone. And they'll go and like, diligently and productively finish whatever novel they're working on. I have like a stack of 20 half finished novels. My work <laughs> Like my work in progress count is ridiculous. I don't know what it is. We stopped counting because it's embarrassing. But, um, you know, I get something done. And when somebody's like, you haven't had anything out in a while, I don't worry because I'm like, well, that's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a stable. I have a lot of racehorses I could choose from. I'll just go pick one out when I'm in the mood for that. I think that's another thing. A lot of people, um, They've got to stick with one genre and one plot until it's all written so they don't mix anything up. But for me, I might have, you know, eight or nine books going simultaneously and I'm able to just come in in the middle of them. If the, today the mood strikes me, that I'm going to write um, my bodyguard romance. Today the mood strikes me that I'm going to write a cozy mystery, you know, whatever. And um I don't uh, now, so far I haven't you, seemed to to mess up and um, you you, you speak in my language here. Are those all under the same pen name? Because I love bodyguard romance, paranormal romance. I love all that. Is that all under the same pen name? 
Um, yes, not my cozy mysteries, but my bodyguard romance is, um, it's called Belgravia Security. It's on Kindle Bella right now. So like that's okay. a, a work in progress that gets updated. It used to get updated more fairly recently, but then life happened and there are like more releases that needed to get put in front. Yeah. I didn't even try Bella cause I'm, I'm trying to do so many projects at one time this year. Um, starting in September, I started putting, you know, so much on my plate and thankfully Genevieve's like extremely scheduled and like analytical. So she keeps me on the right track Cause my brain, you know, like you said, shiny, Ooh, pretty squirrel, you know, yeah, exactly. I used to write the way you do where I'd have like all these projects going, well, fine. You don't want to talk to me. I'll go over here and write. And then for some reason, just one year, just, and I couldn't do it anymore. I would get myself confused. My goal 2021 or 2020, my, my uh, New Year's resolution was to finish all these started projects in my hard drive. I didn't finish any of them. I just oh. kept putting out new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. <laughs> uh, the good thing is, like, well, at least with me, I think probably with most writers, we usually finish what we start, but we just have to listen to the muse. And I yes. think that one day the day is coming when I'll be okay to have, like, you can have three works in progress. You cannot right. have 15 anymore. But hopefully I get all of those um, 15 done before I get myself muddled. So far, we're so we're good. I think that's my quirk. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the ones I, I abandoned just weren't fleshed out well enough. So maybe someday. Now, where do you find your inspiration for your stories? Uh, my grandmother was a tremendous reader. And my parents were so awesome and my grandmother who helped raise me because my father passed away when I was really young. I'm so um, sorry. Thank you. Um, he was also an awesome man and an awesome reader. He bought my mother a beautiful leather bound book every month. Um, oh gosh. And he, now I have all of those. So um, reading was very important and my parents were awesome in the fact that while they still didn't want me to be reading like, you know, R-rated books when I was like eight or something, they didn't stop me from reading anything I wanted. So I read To Kill a Mockingbird when I was super young. I read mm -hmm. um, all the Agatha Christie mysteries I could get my hand on. And I never read things like what we would have now, like the Magic Treehouse series or the Beverly Cleary books. I read those later as like an adult reading for my classrooms and things like that but back then I would go right straight past the children's section of the library and mm -hmm. take myself off to the mysteries and fantasies that were young adult to adult and I think that's yep. where I got a lot of my inspiration to love those genres but um, on like a personal note like I mentioned I lost my dad I lost a lot of family, even just in the last few years. I came from two very big families. Um, my mother's side and father's side both had well above the average number of siblings. And now there's like none left on my dad's side and only oh three left on my mom's side. So like all I keep seeing people that I love leave and it's really sad and uh, so depressing. Sorry. It, it, it's so sorry. Well, pain is a good tool when Motivator, you write yeah when you write and I think I started thinking more and more about like the vampires and the supernatural things and the monsters because like death and sadness and seeing people get sick it's like that monster that you can't beat up 
Well, what if monsters weren't always so bad? What if when you died, you got to come back? Maybe you weren't quite you. Maybe now there was like a monster inside you. But what if it could become a peaceable monster? And all these things like that. And um, I remember one time I had a student, super troubled student, who had had some similarly horrible things in his life. And he had made some mistakes. And he said, I just can't handle myself. I don't even like like being alive in my own body anymore I feel like the monster and I just looked at him I said how many times in the book does the monster turn out to be the hero and that was like five years ago today and he's still alive and kicking and now he wants to be a writer and an English teacher oh I love that I love that so much yeah he just I don't think teachers get enough accolades y'all change our lives Oh, thank you. Well, I I love my school so much. It is a super small school. Uh, and I wanted, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to have a, um, my son and it took so many years and I lost so many babies, which again, that's another aspect of like pain and loss and things like that. Um, trying. And I wanted to have a big, big family because I'd come from two big families and it was like, nope, it's not going to happen. It's not in the plan. I go to this job interview after working for over 10 years in public schools to go to this job interview at a private school. And they tell me that the number of kids is super small, like sometimes probably less than what you'd get in a classroom in a big inner city school. Oh, wow. And when I took that job, I instantly got like 30 new nephews and nieces. Like they are, it's such a small school that, I feel like I know all of those kids, their families know me, I know them. I mean, obviously they don't know about this half of my life, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so blessed because I have all these kids that I get to really impact and make a difference with. And we have cool things at the school. We have writer's club, we have, um, you know, clubs for theater and things that I can be involved with with them. And they appreciate like, hey, did you know that? Uh, Mrs. Princia Pally, she's an author. Did you know that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had some great English teachers that pushed me and I see I couldn't get pregnant. I have three adopted kids. They were a sibling group. So I, I know the pain of just wanting to be a mama so mm-hmm. bad. Oh, so bad. My daughter have... is adopted. My daughter is adopted. My son is um biological, but I've I've stopped using the terms like biological and adopted. Now even my students who know the story are just like when I'll say like, well, the kids need to do something. They're like, do you mean the student kids or do you mean your own kids? I'm like, my own kids. <laughs> They're just all my oh, own now. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve is who's their real mom? Well, I'm not fake. Exactly. <laughs> I, I had that conversation with her birth mother and I was like, I'm dreading the day that she tells me you're not my real mom. And she goes, well, what, are you invisible or something? Or she, are you imaginary? And I'm like, thank you. I'm going to throw that back at her if I need it. My, my oldest boys actually tracked down their biological mother because I had to be honest with them, you know, when because yeah. it was a situation where they were taken away, not mm. where the mother gave them up at birth. My kids were four, five, and six when I got them. They were siblings. Mm. Um, but they found, they tracked down their biological mother, and I started getting these screenshots of conversations, and I'm, like, crying because, you know, I'm, don't talk to me like that. You know, you're not my mom. I have a mom. I was like, they do love me. (laughs) That's all it takes. You know, it's like, because I only had them for, you know, 18, this year be 19 years. You know, it's, I didn't get 
as much time as everybody else did, you know. Hmm. Uh, now, how long does it take you to generally write a book? Well, I have done like three novels in the space of three months, like full length, 50,000 word novels in like one of those per month, but that's not easy and I can't do that stuff all the time. No, it's um, exhausting. So I tend to write these ridiculously long paranormal like epics. The the one book that I've written in my Cross Realm series is called Healing Hope and it's actually longer than the Amazon print length will allow. It's like, oh, wow. I know, I can't shut up. And I love this character. And it's like a road trip. So there's like a lot of stuff for them to do before they even get to the falling in love sexy times and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff for them to do. So that book, some of these books that take, um, you know, chapters and chapters and pages and pages for me to get the story out, those might be like a year-long work in progress. But I try to typically put out a couple smaller books a year as well yeah yeah i've done i've done where three books three in three months and then my wrists are screaming it might be another two or three months before the next one's out you know sometimes i just gotta take uh last summer my rottweiler died you know and oh. she was my baby she was my my emotional support dog and it's like and then i have vestibular migraines so as much as i love the warm oh months and flowers and everything um the heat and that oppressive humidity kind of knocks me down a little bit and then every three months i got to get botox shots and so i can't always physically whether the desire is there or not i can't always physically get as much writing done as i want but like i'm home now because i take care of you know this teenager um so during the day i write throughout the day i'm up and down up and down up and down so i will still try to get anywhere from three to five thousand words in a day and then i take off the weekends i like i forced myself to take off the weekends that's wonderful like if you can get that many words in a day i'm just like i can't i can try to do that but it doesn't always happen it's, um, it's a hit or miss. There's been days where I'm lucky if it's 1500, but I've had like seven to 10,000 day towards. I'm like, you know what? I'm taking tomorrow off. <laughs> yeah. I think with me I, too, off. I not in addition to writing books and teaching, I'm also a curriculum writer for, for two pretty big companies. So I do maybe two or three hours of writing for them a day as well. So like, maybe I'll get those, you know, 3000 words, but it's like, Oh, dang, that was about writing about World War One, And that inspired me to write a book. I, I, think, we totally not the book. I yeah. think we can count that as, as word, words for the day, because that's a lot of typing. That is a lot is. of typing. Yeah. Definitely now, your is. bio says you're an award-winning author. Can you tell us about the awards? So this is the, I can just now add that to my bio. I can add like things like bestseller now, because I had a a book get the orange flag in the Amazon category. And I have um, awards this year coming from the Paranormal Romance Guild. They do, uh, they do actually more than just paranormal romance. They do fantasy and uh, sci-fi and all those things. They have a lot of different categories that they do. And every year at the end, they have a at the end of the year, they have a reviewer's choice award and it, the reviewing staff has to nominate books and then they open voting. And my Vampire in Vegas series was a winner this year. And for, um, I believe it was under the uh, erotica, 
erotica, and it was a, it's a series of three. Um, it's a trilogy, and I guess I call them erotica, but they actually do have like plot and romance. But there's a lot of the sexy times erotic in them. So, yeah, yeah, erotic, erotic romance. romance. Yeah. So it won for that, and then um, my other book, a standalone, more like a YA NA novel, Pale Girl. It's a standalone novel, but it's also Actually, it's um, it could be considered tied to some of my other works because I have a fictional town that I've created and Pale Girl is set in that town. That was nominated as a like a just novel length book um, and they put it in the headings of Angels and Demons. So they had different headings and one of them was the erotica. That one I won a category and then as a nominee, I got uh, Pale Girl into the novel for Demons and Angels Award. That is great. Congratulations. Thank you. I love the orange tag on Amazon. Is that not the best feeling in the whole world? It is. And I, I used to do, uh, yeah, under my other pen name, I would have um, some, actually in this pen name too, I, I like to do it, have some serialized fiction because I love the whole idea of uh, Penny Dreadfuls or when magazines used to come out and you would get part of a, a novel or story yeah, each month. Part of the story. Digest yeah. used to do that. I don't know if they still yeah. do that. Um, so I loved those. So I would get a lot of those um, under my other pen name for for super short works, though. So it was always in the like Amazon short reads category, which was nice and everything. But uh, I liked getting it in this category or rather under this pen name as well. It was like, ooh this and, and it held there for like you know several days so that was like a good feeling as well oh it's amazing i was like in tears like facetiming my husband at work which Aww. probably not a good idea but like i was in tears when that happened because you know he's like my biggest cheerleader yeah now, can you tell us oh god yeah i mean seriously i don't no matter what i told him I, at one point years ago um i wanted to get into figure competition as i'm like working out it was all gung ho for me. Okay, let let's start looking into it. I'm like, you know how much money that's going to take, right? Like, <laughs> but he was so behind me. It doesn't matter what I say; he's always behind me. You know, that's I could literally awesome. have like 15 dogs. As much as he says he doesn't want another dog, I can have like, 15. But you dogs want one? Too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that said I put the kibosh after my Rottweiler died. We got the two old girls. I'm like, and then what did I do? I went and adopted a one-eyed cat. Oh. Uh. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, now, can you tell us a little bit about the Vampire in Vegas series? Uh, sure. So it's a, a short collection. It was a trilogy of shorts, although like so the first one is like more the length of a, a novelette. It's quite short. And then the other two are like novella length. Um, it's 80% smut, I would say 20% like sweet romantic plot. There's actually a plot involved. It introduces the fictional town that I created, um, Pine Ridge, and Pine Ridge, New York. And then that little town also pops up in other places as well in some of my other books. And in this series, uh, you're basically following Charlotte and her boyfriend, Robbie, who happens to be a vampire. And she's a girl who knows that something's not quite right in Pine Ridge, her town. Like she know, she's always known 
that this is a town where supernatural creatures exist. And she knows that she must have some sort of uh, what she calls like demon blood on her dad's side. She knows it, but she doesn't know what she is. So she and her best friend, who is a witch, they're traveling to Vegas to celebrate the fact that they're both turning 21. And it turns into like a, rom a romantic interaction between the, the vampire, her boyfriend, and her. She's kind of put off accepting his proposal because he he's like you're the only one for me and you you loved me through cancer you love me through the fact that in pine ridge when you get cancer you don't necessarily have to die you can find one of the good demons in town that's willing to work with you and like turn turn you into something that's going to stay immortal so oh, that, wow. that yeah that kind of relates back to my whole what, what if you didn't have to die thing um but so she's always put him off because she's like, okay, I'm so glad you didn't die. and You didn't leave me, but guess what? I'm going to die and I'm going to leave you someday and I'm going to get old. I'm going to age and you're not. And by the end of like fantabulous amounts of sex and <laughs> other things in this book, you find out that that might not be as big of a problem for Charlotte as she thinks, but I don't want to, spoiler all don't of spoil it. it too much <laughs> yeah just you know there's still some issues but might not be as big of a problem as she thinks and it's a it had a happy ending like I know some people who who read it were kind of like surprised they were like there's so much smut in this but this is also really sweet like, yeah that's me <laughs> I don't I don't mind steamy I don't mm -hmm. mind steamy. The only thing I don't like in my romance is the P word referring to a woman's anatomy. Mm. I don't mind that in my erotica, but for some reason in my romance, it's a turnoff. I don't know why. I don't know it, why. Cause... It, <laughs> yeah. And I think like that word, I don't typically mind. I mind other words. Like I have other words or slang terms that I really don't mind. I never use them. And that one I don't mind, I guess, because it sounds sort of, it's like a sweet and pretty word. Like, you know, to me, but there are other words that I don't like. Um, but then the I'm C like, you cannot, please, you cannot, like, please everybody, no matter what yeah. you do. Because you read some yeah. rom romances and they're like, his throbbing member. And other people are like, <laughs> would you just say the actual anatomy, you know, anatomy term? And I'm like... No, it ruins the moment if I say that word. Or not. You know, There's sometimes. a chick on TikTok you need to go find, and it's it's uh, bodily parts described poorly, and yeah. then she's like squirts her bottle like she's squirting you. No, no. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So, uh, I have met authors and readers who like like have no problem with any term, and then who are like have problems with a host of terms. I'm like. I am just going to write what I want to at this point. Yes. I'm not yes. going to make everybody happy. I've said schlong and tallywhacker in mine. So, I mean, but you know, like you said, you can't please everyone. I'm not a fan of Fifty Shades of Grey at all. I don't, yeah, no, I'm not either. But um, I couldn't get past the first chapter. I could not get in to that. And the fact that I know that it started out as Twilight, Twilight fan fiction, I feel dirty because all of a sudden, like trying to read this, knowing it's, you know, 17 and 18 year old vampires. Like I just yeah. can't do it. You know, now you can't, some of my favorite books have one star reviews and some of my not favorites have great reviews. I mean, you can't please everyone. I know. Cause I, 
like, I read Twilight. I don't mind Twilight, but it wasn't anything that I was like, oh, my God, you know, revelation. But, you know, <laughs> it was like, what I, I think I called it popcorn reading. It was like, it filled you up. You enjoyed it while you were having it, but was it like the most memorable thing either? But now to me, like, I get the Christie's Murder on the Orient Express, which is not a romance, but to me, that's like champagne and steak sort of a book. I'll remember every detail of that. And Twilight, eh, I'll remember some of it. I, loved, I, I, get, I was I a get total Twilight. Yeah. I was a total My little sister, she's uh, 15 years younger than me. And she was like 16 when those books came out. So it was like a bonding thing. Um, she wanted me to read them. So, okay. You know, I don't read YA. That's literally the last book I read that was YA. So I was like, okay, this is actually not the greatest technical writing, but that doesn't bother me as long as you're a good storyteller. And right. then the movies came out and they always came out right between our birthdays. Our birthdays, hers is uh, November 29th and mine's December 6th. So it was always right around one of our birthdays. So that became like our birthday, you know, routine. Like we would go out, go get something to eat and go watch a Twilight movie together, you know. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a Twihard. I own the Aww. movies, I own the books. Yes, I am. An adult Twihard. It's it's a new, I like new concepts. Yes, it's kind of goofy that he sparkled like diamonds in the sun. That is goofy. But it was a new concept. Diane Duvall has a whole different concept of vampirism. Mm -hmm. and it's a, like a rare symbiotic virus that affects uh, oh. what she calls humans and then gifted ones. And gifted mm -hmm. ones are people that are born with things like telekinesis, telepathy, things like that. So if you're a human, you become a vampire and you go stark raving mad and you like Ooh. kill people. Whereas if you're born a gifted one, you turn into an immortal. So it's like, oh. I love new concepts so much. No, I think I like that too. I like that about this version of, or not this version, this genre. I could read 50 different books about vampires yes. and there would be 50 different renditions like in yes. Vampire in Vegas um Robbie's eyes turn blood red like that's his thing and and he doesn't find like in, in some of the books blood drinking is like this necessarily a sexual thing whereas to him it's a sexual thing but it's also like people just come in different flavors so yeah it would be nice if I could bite different people on occasion because different flavors yeah see Diane Duvall's vampires the her the fangs are like needles and they mm. take the blood directly into their veins so it's not oh. like you're drinking the blood it's siphoning the blood into their veins and their fangs create this gland like ghb so their victims don't remember i was like oh, oh my gosh cool. this is like I i'm so obsessed with her whole immortal guardian series like i'm obsessed so as soon as i saw that vampire in vegas i'm like so what's up <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm always looking for something new. Now, can you tell us about the Cross Realm series? That one, again, has um, a big vampire component. Like, most of my books have a vampire in them. I also love vampires. So even though I, you know, I'm not necessarily a tryhard, I definitely like the whole yes. genre of vampire romance. I think that there's a lot of good storytelling there that you can take it in many different directions. Yes. And there's no set in stone rules. Exactly. When people are like, I remember I had somebody say something and they were, I don't even know what they were talking to. They're like, vampires don't do that. I remember, My vampire does. My vampires do. <laughs> yeah. So My vampires don't burst in the sun. It takes them a while and it weakens. I'm like, I don't know if you saw Moonlight when that was on. 
Uh, yes, I do think I did see some. Yeah, and then the the older they are, the more sun they can withstand. And you know what? It's whatever I want it to be because it's called fiction for a exactly. reason. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so in and and then like in some books, you have vampires who are like always evil. They're purely evil. They don't have right. souls. Um, in mine, in the Cross Realm series, there are these places in the world called the Cross Realms. It's literally where the heavenly the hell and the mortal realm cross and there's like little gaps and rifts. So Ooh. demons and bad things can come in from the hell realm and they want to prey on the innocent mortals of the world. And sometimes they like merge or mate or whatever with human hosts. And that's how you get like new species of demons or things like that. But there are also um, a majority of people who are just wandering around not knowing that anything's wrong, you know, they, because there are these things called the mists. The mists cloak most humans' eyes from realizing that, you know, the guy that they're talking to at the store is actually a darkling or a demon or a vampire. He just looks maybe like a slightly odd person to them. They can't tell anything's wrong. So then to combat this, there's about 1% of the people, 1% of the people of the whole population can see through the mist. And then a fraction of that 1% could do something about it. Most of the people who see through the mist and they realize like, ah, I'm surrounded by demons and vampires. They get taken <laughs> off to the mental hospital because people are like, you're crazy. You're crazy and you're talking nonsense. Of course we need to put you in a straitjacket and take you away. So some people probably learn not to talk about it. Some people probably move away, but then there's this fraction of people that will work together and they are called warriors or hunters and they will fight the evil demons. But just like there are good humans and bad humans, there are good humans or good, good demons and bad demons. There's just many more bad than there are good. So yeah, Genevieve's got me watching Supernatural. So I'm sitting here nodding like, yeah, like Ruby. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I watched, I didn't watch, I don't know how many seasons of Supernatural I watched. At one point, I think I stopped watching when they, I won't, I won't spoil it. There might be people on here who haven't watched Supernatural. I think I stopped watching like around season seven or eight. Um. Anyway, but so in the Cross Realms, I have a cast of characters they all work together. They're protectors of the realm. But I loved the idea, and that's actually started when um, when I was younger, I would write fan fiction, not even knowing what it was called. Like I would see a story, read a story, or see a movie, and I would be really upset about the way it turned out. And so just like, you know, a nine or 10 year old with my spiral notebook, I'd go and say like, no, 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 that couple <laughs> deserves to be together. And so-and-so shouldn't have died. Rewrite. And I would go and I would rewrite it. And so when I got older and I started, I was like, holy crap, you mean there's a genre called fan fiction and I can read fan fiction about my favorite plays or my favorite movies? Um, I love the idea that the same characters could, you know, they didn't get recycled per se, but they kept getting new storylines and new endings. So that's the unique thing about my Cross Realms characters in the cross realms, not only are those three realms, but they're like gateways to infinite dimensions. So like 
there's always a Nox, my vampire, and there's always Felicia. She's the lead warrior. They might stumble across each other in 15 different ways by the time the series is done. Um, different characters meet up with other characters and fall in love with different people. But the only exception is um, Felicia and Knox. They're always together. They're my, my shipper. They're always together. So you know, I, I did that when I was a child with um, Charlotte's Web. Oh. I gave Charlotte, Charlotte uh, uh, immortality, even though I didn't know what immortality was. I just, Charlotte never died. She lived forever and ever the end. And what's really funny is I'm actually arachnophobic. So I think I think at one point we've all done a form of <laughs> fanfic without even knowing it. We like to make things better in the world. We I like think to writers make them especially right. <laughs> yes. make them right in our world. Now, can you talk to us about Stan for uh, Ukraine anthology? There's a prime example of trying to make things right in the world. Um, Amen. The Stan for Ukraine anthology was put together by. The New Romance Cafe Publishing, which has some incredibly hardworking, gutsy, don't need sleep people running it. And they were like, by the end of February, they were like, we have to do something. We need to raise money. We we are not going to get a cent out of this. You're going to have to pay to buy into this, but all the money, every penny will go to save the children and it will help the refugees. And if, as long as they can still get into Ukraine, it will help the people in Ukraine. So hundreds of authors sent in hundreds of stories. We could only write 3000 word max. So it had to be like this incredibly tight, poignant story. Wow. <clears throat> and it had to be either romance, women's fiction or poetry. So I, always write romance and I always write smuttiness and I was thinking this has to appeal to a broader audience so I actually wrote uh, a piece of women's fiction for this and I was so proud that it got to go in the anthology I know that some some stories like they tried to accept everybody but then there were some stories I think that were either maybe too dark or, or too despairing and we were trying to have an idea of we're going to uplift and bring hope so even right. if something like has a, a rocky middle, it will have an uplifting ending. So I think there were some stories that maybe didn't get selected, but one of mine did. And I wrote a little story. Of, it's called Vintage Brides. And it's two women who end up falling in love with the same vintage wedding dress in the same store on the same day because they both think that it's the perfect dress for their boyfriend. They both, you know, both of them have a boyfriend who is just crazy about vintage weddings and vintage style and all this stuff. And both of these women meet trying to get the same dress. And by the end of the story, they've gotten something much more valuable than the same dress. They've gotten a bond of sisterhood. So I, I liked that. writing that. Yeah, it was, it was neat. And uh, it is still available right now. And I think so far we've raised over $10,000 to send to oh, Save the Children. Oh, gosh. Yes, and it, it got its orange flag in the Amazon store. So that was nice, too. I mean, we weren't trying that to do a loose run or anything like that, but it is really a oh, testament. Oh, that gave me chills. That gave yeah. me chills. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to go buy it just because. Now, I mean, have you ever faced any challenges in writing paranormal? 
I think I kind of write a little bit of everything. I do. I think I create my own challenges. (laughs) 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 I can't get out of my own way. I genre hop. I don't just stick to one thing. I always want to try new things. And I don't write to trend. I can't do it because I only want to write what I want to write. And uh, like for a long time, I didn't even care if I sold books. And I also didn't even necessarily want people to know that I wrote books, like especially not under this pen name. So it's like, I don't advertise. And it's very secret. <laughs> and like, I'm just going to put this out there on Amazon, see if anybody buys it. Oh my gosh, five people in Germany bought my book. What is it about German people and vampires? You know, like whatever. Would Australia for me. Yeah. Australia is mine. Like what? <laughs> yeah. So, and that was in the beginning. And now I've gotten braver and I've met wonderful authors who are like, you don't have to be a sad little writer who's all by herself. Come in no, and be it's part like of the I always circle. Say, yeah. It's a very solitary existence and we need our writer friends. Yes. Oh, like a writer friend is like a whole special breed of best friend. Yes. Cause they understand that. when you're talking in circles. <laughs> they do. And they can sometimes even get you back on track. Rare. Oh, gift. Genevieve's kept me from, from throwing in the towel a few times. That's it. I'm done. Too tired. Yeah. Nope. Nope. We all, need, all need a person to talk us off the ledge. So I've got a bunch of those awesome people. And um I just I just can't seem to I know what the trends are. Like one of the big trends is the whole paranormal romance set in an academy setting. Like the the yeah. fair the Faye Academy and then the Shifters Academy. Like all academy the academy and yeah. And I'm like I can't do that. Or the the more like bullying or dark mafia type style, like they, which mm-hmm. com- can combine really nicely with the paranormal romance or like the vampire king and court and royalty, those sorts of things. I can't seem to write to those. Maybe one day I will. But by the time that I'm like, yeah, I got an idea. That'll have been like 10 years in the past. The trend will be over. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be on trend anymore. But, you know, I'd rather tell a good story than be on a trend because a trend comes and goes, but a good story is going to last. You should write to market, but not to trend because, yeah, they, oh, this is hot right now. Well, this is hot right now, but it's not going to be. Write the book that's in your heart. Exactly. Because I think there are some people who are like, I literally cranked out 10, you know, uh, Mafia Academy royalty books in 10 weeks because I knew they would sell right now. But when they look back at it, I don't know how much invo- emotional connection I'll even have with it. Yeah. Cause they forced it out so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why I've uh, stopped doing the switching back and forth is I've become so invested in my characters that I like dream about them and I can't move on. When I, when I leave that world, I've had to start limiting myself to three or four books each series. Cause I don't want to leave the world. Right. Like I get so invested in my people. Well, they feel real to us. They're like, of course we can't (laughs) leave you. Well, don't worry. We'll come back. That's why I can't, I have a hard time writing standalone things. Even when I write a standalone thing, I kind of sort of connect it. Like my, my fictional towns and the cross realms, uh, it's called Creek Valley. And my other fictional town is called Pine Ridge. They're on opposite ends of the world. They don't have anything to do with each or opposite ends of the country, not the whole world. They don't have anything necessarily to do each other with each other. But I love the idea that, okay, even if I end a series, I could just come back to this town. It could make a new set of people or characters that belong in that world. 
I can still connect That's, to it. I have, like, we call them the Cedar Hill shifters. There's like th mm -hmm. four, four, four series in that one. And then I have the shifter, shifter council executioners. Somehow mm. I end up tying that still with my Cedar Hill shifters because I just, I missed them. <laughs> I missed him. My newest book out, Soul Alliance, is a um, romantic fantasy. It's completely different than what I normally write. Not tied to anything else. And it was so weird to leave my shifters. It was so weird. But I had so much fun doing it. I loved it. I loved it so much. Now, what's coming next in your writing? I'm trying something new. Trying to leave behind my, uh, not leave behind, but take a little vacation from just writing paranormal or just writing erotica. And I'm getting to write this incredible romantic suspense series oh. with <clears throat> some amazing writers, three different continents, um, you know, all over the world, all different ages. It's a femme fatale assassins shared okay. world. It's called the sisters of sin. And Sophia Aves is writing DA Nelson, T Wells Brown, Michelle Ventura and Lolo page. And then there's me. And I'm like, how did I get in with this pack of super women? <laughs> um, but they must have liked me. So anyway, um, we're writing about these assassins who, while they are assassins, they're not the bad guys. They are taking out the bad guys in a secret, in a very like secretive way. They're part of a secret society called the Sisters of Sin. And all of them have code names after one of the seven deadly sins or... And the oh, name that's associated that. associated with the seven deadly sins. So like um, there's lust, but there's also passion. And there's instead of like gluttony, there's devour. And um, I love that. Oh, and the writing, and I'm, I'm going to brag about the other people. Uh, the writing is so <laughs> good. Like when I got, I'm like bragging all, I'm all lucky because I'm like, I got to read them before anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. And the first thing we did was we wrote a collection of origin stories for all of the assassins. Like they're coming out, um, the big novels are coming out, starting with T. Wells Brown's Vanity comes out in June, so not very far away. And so before we see Vanity as this incredible put together chic assassin who's going to be taking out like kingpins and corrupt government henchmen and stuff like that, we get to meet her as Catalina, the girl who was in college who realized that she needed to stop a human trafficker and that she had to learn how to do it without the police getting involved because the police would tie up and take too long investigating it. And so that's when mother, who is kind of like, um, you know, like in the James Bond movies, there's M who gives yeah. all the girls or all James Bond and all his agents assignments. In our story, there's mother. Mother has all the sisters. She gives them their assignments like, you know, there's a drug cartel in Mexico and they're kidnapping women and you have to, you have to go in there and you have to save them and whatever it might be. Um, and they all have such unique origin stories that they're all completely unique. The girls' personalities, their likes and dislikes, but yet they all get woven together. And eventually there's a lot of, you know, like overlapping parts within the big series. And uh, my my first novel in the series will be Passion, 
and that comes out early next year. But I've already gotten to release Passion's origin story. So there's an anthology called Sinful Seconds, and it's free right now. Um, I don't know when this podcast, like what day it will be released, but I'll give you guys the link so you could put it up for your readers. Absolutely. I'd love to get it. Yes. So yeah, they'll get six origin stories of the first uh, six kick butt heroines in the Sisters of Sin series. That is, I, girl, like I'm sitting here like looking up as I'm talking to you. That's why I keep getting distracted. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that one and I'll take that one. <laughs> oh, goody. Yeah. I'll definitely send you the the link for the sinful seconds. And the nice thing yes, is, yes, definitely. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to put links in the show in the show notes, anyways. But absolutely, any of them. That's that's amazing. Everybody's always looking for new books. Come on now. Exactly. If they're listening to this show. They're into the supernatural. So now, if you were writing, could be remembered for one thing. What would it be? I think I would just like to be remembered for making people happy. And maybe I let them have an escape when they needed one. Um, this world, particularly in the last few years, has become a place where just like going through your day-to-day life has become massively stressful. And reading and writing is a blessing. It takes you out of your like mundane stress and into a thrilling adventure where stress doesn't feel like stress because it's not you going through it. So right. I love right. making people happy. I have a, a student um, now actually that has a lot of familial issues, health issues, legal issues, like all the issues you could have this, this kid has. And I was just like, read or write, read something or write something because it genuinely will just take you out of yourself for a while. Have you ever had any paranormal or supernatural experiences of your own, especially with you living in that kind of area? I haven't ever had any paranormal activities or experiences or supernatural experiences myself. Um, but I, I live in an area, like you said, there are haunted buildings that they, they say are haunted, battlefields that they say are haunted. We have had uh, paranormal investigators come out and like, check the fields right near where I work because they were part of the Revolutionary War. I've had people- in uh, Tennessee, are you? No, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm okay. In, yeah, um, Pennsylvania. Okay. But, uh, and we live in a, a town that was founded before the Revolutionary War. So like, it's old. There's old history, there's old buildings, there's I absolutely love it. I'm a huge history nerd. So I don't think that I've had anything supernatural ever happen to me, but just like knowing that I live in an area that's rich in legends and lore um, is something that I, I like. And I don't necessarily, I've never like written a, a ghost story, so to speak. It's like based on any history, but I definitely think just it's a good atmosphere to have. If I ever was like, I need to go sit in a misty woods and where I could possibly <laughs> meet a werewolf, I would have a spot. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any misty woods, but I'm surrounded by the woods. So. Yeah. All right. Now, something fun we like to do with our guests before we let you go. Okay. We do a rapid fire this or that. Okay. You ready? Sure. Werewolves or vampires? Vampires. Time travel or aliens? Time travel. 
Supernatural or Ghost Whisperer? Ooh, that's a hard one. Supernatural. Charmed or Bewitched? Hmm. Bewitched. Yeah, me too. Romance or Dystopian? Romance all the way. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Tea. Spring or summer? That's hard. Summer because I have more time off with my kids. Yeah, yeah. Pen or pencil? Pen. Tanks or tees? Tees. Flip-flops or sneakers? Sneakers. Ocean or land? Ocean. Beach or woods? Beach. Music or silence? Music. Country or pop? Ooh. Rock and roll. Okay, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> I had a hard time with that one, too. Sweet or savory? Oh, that's terrible. I get both. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sugar addict, so iPhone or Android? Android. Going to a club or dancing in the kitchen? Dance in the kitchen. Cat or dog? Again with the both, but I currently have dogs. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. Burger or salad? Burger. Got me with the whiskey and, and burger. We're going out. Demons <laughs> or angels? Um, again with both. I just like them to have personality. I don't care where you come from. I don't give a good personality. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh, my God. Both again, but Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I can relate to it more on like a primal level. Now, this next one will determine whether or not we go out for a beer and whiskey. Okay. Marvel or DC? Marvel, but... All right, we're going out. Okay, Marvel, but in my classroom, I literally have a DC wall and a Marvel wall. I like them both, but Marvel, I mean, Cap is my guy, Thor, Loki, like they've worked mythology yes. in better, so... Yes. There. You know, I've never... I'm not a comic girl, comic book girl. So this is based for me on the movies and the TV shows. So I don't like comic books or graphic novels. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Van Helsing or Interview with a Vampire? Van Helsing. I I just, um, I love, in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I love that take on Van Helsing, Mrs. Van Helsing. I love that. I need to go check that out. It's so cool. Okay, I won't spoil it. It's so cool. That's all I'll say. Well, I feel like I had watched it at one point, um, but then don't remember actually watching it. Like, <laughs> I, I'd have to ask my husband if we actually watched League of, of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Now, where can people keep up with your career? Well, I do have um, a Twitter. I have uh, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. All under, like, so if you search S, Principale. That's the hard part. You have to spell principal and then stick an E on the end. Um, <laughs> uh, they could find me on those things. I have a Facebook readers group called SC Sultry Sweethearts that I would love to have people come to. There's also the Sisters of Sin. Uh, there's a um, Facebook group for them if you typed in Sisters of Sin and you made sure. I don't know if there's other Sisters of Sin out there. I'm like, Sure that there's like <laughs> might be like tattoo girls or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure that there might be but if you look it up and it's like got the uh 
all the authors' names involved and all the book covers. That's us. So yeah, there's are, there's those things, and there's also um, my author website. And I'd love it if people want to sign up for the newsletter. Oh, and if they go to the author website, I know I already mentioned that people can get their copy of Sinful Seconds, which has uh, all the origin stories of the Sisters of Sin in it. That's free. But I also always have the first copy of Vampire in Vegas up for free right now, like the first part of that um, up for free on my website, on the free gifts for you tab. That is great. Thank you so much for being our final guest of season one. It was, this was fun. You're a fun guest. I love that. It's my favorite. Oh, thank you so much for having me. If you ever need me to come back, just let me know. Cause this was a blast. Absolutely. Well, you know, you got to be on my, my podcast now next, right? It's going to be on a hot mess, hot mess writer's life help for the indie author. I mean, I could have that tattooed on me, hot mess author. <laughs> that is, you said earlier that you're your writer chick. I'm a mm -hmm. hot mess author everywhere because I am a hot mess. That's why I pre-record these. And believe it or not, my dogs behaved this time. Nobody, my, nobody called me. Like, this was the cleanest, I think, interview I've ever done, ever. Like, nothing went wrong yet. Yet. Okay. <laughs> We have to end before something happens because I have dogs and children too, and I'm waiting for the explosion of sound. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We so greatly appreciate you being here for our final episode. Thank you. Can't wait to hear it air. Thank you for listening to Let's Get Mystical. This podcast was hosted by Genevieve Scholl and Lynn Howard and produced by Genevieve Scholl. If you'd like to contact the hostesses, you can do so by emailing letsgetmysticalpodcast at gmail.com.